Thank you, Jill. Thank you, Cole. Thank you, Cleve and the, and the Bells. Would you give them a hand if you enjoyed their worship today? Amen. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 11 is where we're going to begin today, and we're going to be reading about this wonderful day. This is Palm Sunday. We have been on a journey throughout this Lenten season of God inviting us into something sacred. So today we're going to be invited to journey through the unexpected. Mark chapter 11. We're going to begin reading with verse number one. You can see it on your screen or if you have it on your phones or your tablets or your scriptures, whatever you use to read God's word, I pray that you can do that and follow along with us. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word from Mark chapter 11? I'll be reading from the New Living Translation this morning. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it and will return it soon. The two disciples left and found the colt standing in the street, tied outside the front door. As they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, what are you doing untying that colt? They said what Jesus had told them to say, and they were permitted to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it, and he sat on it. Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others spread leafy branches they had cut in the fields. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God! Hosanna! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Praise God in highest heaven. So Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple. After looking around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon. Then he returned to Bethany with the twelve disciples. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. If you have your outlines in your bulletin, if you're watching online, we welcome you. We invite you to open that email. Uh, this message, this outline is for all of you who are visual learners. We have many visual aids today for you to follow along in the scriptures. But as I was preparing this message um, and studying through this passage of scripture, God has really opened my eyes to some things I did not realize about this passage. And so today, as I, as I begin to, to, to preach what the Lord has laid on my heart, I'll be honest with you today, the Lord has laid on my heart just the text. And this text alone can really stand for itself, but there is so much happening here that I just want to share with you a little bit about what God has shown me, and hopefully it'll mean something to you today as well. Are you in favor of that? Would you just say aye? Thank you for your grace and your, your love and your 
compassion. I will tell you, this message could be three or four minutes, or it could be 30 minutes, because God did not allow me to write any notes today. Uh, so uh, if you know me at all, you know that I'm out here swimming, trusting the Lord today, uh, because I don't have any notes. But I want to walk through this scripture with you this morning. Would you follow along with me as we break this passage down together? So let's start right back at the beginning and read this I'll read this again, and I want to talk about what's going on here and how we today can realize what God is doing through Jesus' life in this moment. As Jesus and his disciples approach Jerusalem, now you got to remember that Jerusalem is the city. It is the place. It is the, the Mecca, if you will. It is the place that everyone, all Jewish people, are required to go to this festival every single year. So Jerusalem is a happening place. They came to the towns. Jesus and his disciples were walking. They came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Now, I want to I share something with you about where they're journeying from. If you take a look, if your Bible has a map in it, I want you to go to that map, and I want you to look at the journey that they're taking. They're coming up from the southeast of Jerusalem, and they're coming into the city. And so as they're coming into the city, they have to go over the Mount of Olives. Now, the Mount of Olives is a mountain that is very famous in Scripture. I've been taught over the years that geography is theology. In other words, it's there. It's something that you can actually still go to today, which is confirming to me as a Christ follower that this word is true. Amen? Praise God. Jesus is approaching Jerusalem. They're at the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is a place of, of um, respite, if you will, for Jesus over the years. This is a place we read in Scripture where Jesus goes to, to pray. He goes alone to get with the Father, to talk with the Father, to pray. Even before Jesus' life, the Mount of Olives is the place where King David went to escape his own family trying to take the kingdom from him. Absalom's coming up to him, and he's trying to run David out of the, king, the kingdom, and David flees to this very spot. I thought that was really neat, because King David is the line that Jesus is coming to fulfill. Geography is theology. Amen? So the Mount of Olives is a special place. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. We don't know. I looked it up. This, this text can be found in all four Gospels. And not one of them tells us which two disciples this was. So what does that tell us today? That tells us that Jesus knew he needed two helpers, but it wasn't about them. It wasn't about them. He sent two of them on ahead. So here's kind of the view. I want to give you a little picture of Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. This is, this is I know it's, it's hard to see all the details here. This is kind of a, an older picture. This is not from when Jesus' time. There's some architecture that has grown up over the time. And if you look really closely, you can see a, a bus. It's probably a tourist bus driving on that road. But this is what I found. And so this is Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, one of the views. From, from, from a, few, a few decades ago. So then I was curious, Jerusalem, Jerusalem is still there today. 
Jerusalem is, is one of the most tech-savvy cities in the world today. I didn't realize that until I studied this, but there's a picture of what Jerusalem looks like today from the Mount of Olives. You can just see how this city has exploded. Okay, you see all of this from the same view. You can see some of the same walls there. You see some of the, the greenery and the trees growing up. But this is the same view from the Mount of Olives that we just saw. I want to go back to that other picture here for a moment and just envision with me. Go on this journey with me. As Jesus and his disciples are walking to the Mount of Olives, they're coming up on the city. This is why they're coming. They're coming to worship. They're coming for the festival of the Passover. And Jesus looks at the city and he sends two of them on ahead. He sends two of them on ahead. And this is what he says to them. Go into that village over there, he told them. And as soon as you enter it, Angie, would you go back to the picture while I read this for me, please? I want you just to envision these words. This is what Jesus is saying to them. They're looking out over the city. He says to them, go into that village over there. As soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs it and will return it soon. The two disciples left. They found the colt standing in the street, tied outside the front door. As they began untying the colt, some bystanders demanded, what are you doing untying that colt? They said what Jesus had told them to say, and they were permitted to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it so he could sit on it. I had to go get my colt. Nobody uh, demanded why I was untying this colt, but I went to get a colt. This colt has never been ridden either. I'm not going to try to, read, to ride this cult today, but I wanted you to have a visual, okay? Here's what's really cool about this. Jesus sends two disciples, doesn't matter which ones. He just says, I need two of my followers that trust me to go into this village that we all see, and this is exactly what you're going to find. And he tells them exactly what they're going to find, where it's at. And not only that, he tells them exactly what somebody's going to say to them. So up until this point of Jesus's life, we know that as followers of Christ today, that Jesus was fully God and he was fully man. We know that there were, there were human limitations on him because of his humanness. We know that he was tempted in the, in the garden. We know that he probably got hungry and had to eat. Uh, most likely if we were to interview Mary, as a baby, I would guess that he probably cried when he was hungry. I don't know. Um, he had needs, human needs that you and I have. But Jesus is fully God. And what that means is he is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He knows everything. And we believe that in faith and we trust that. Well, up until this point, we don't see Jesus tell specifically the future like he does right here. And he says to these disciples, 
you trust me. I want you to go into that village. I want you to grab this colt. It's never been ridden. It's going to be tied to the front door. And as you're untying it, somebody's going to say to you these exact words. I don't know if that lands heavy on you, but it did for me. If I'm standing there and I'm one of Jesus' entourage, and he tells me to go into a village and tells me exactly what it's going to be. I've been following him. I've been walking with him for three and a half years now. I probably trust him. I, I probably believe that he's going to... What? But I, word for word, he, they walk into the village. They do exactly what he says. And sure enough, as they're untying the colt, somebody says, why are you untying the colt? Hello, doorbells, ring bells, whatever it is in your head. I've heard that before. In fact, I just heard that from my master, from my rabbi, those exact words. Wow, this guy must be something special. They take the colt. They take it back to Jesus. They put their garments on the colt so he can sit on it. Again, this colt has never been ridden. This colt probably has never had a garment sat on its back. And as they set the garment on the colt's back, Jesus sat on it. Now, here's what's really cool. They, the crowd, they began to go into Jerusalem on this colt. Here's what's really cool about this, and the other gospel accounts give us some more detail on this. Everything that happens from this point forward is foretold in the Old Testament. Every piece of this story. I love that. Because as Pastor Greg already shared, it shows that the son's obedience to the father. He could have chosen on this very day, knowing that his heart was heavy, that he did not want to go on a parade. You see, this city that he stood over and looked over not too long ago was the same city that he stood over and he said, Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem. And he wept over this city. Some people say, why was Jesus crying? Why was he weeping? Why was he so upset about a city? This is what God's shown me over this last week. There's times in our life where I believe that, that God shows us something. He reveals things to us. And there's times when we get it and we're excited and we grow from it. But then there's also times where we hear his word or we hear him speak into our lives and we just don't get it. And it's like it goes in one ear and out the other ear. And Jerusalem is the city for the people of God. All of, the, all of the Jewish people are assembling in this city and they're waiting for a king. They're waiting for the Messiah. They're waiting for somebody to come and to save them from all of the oppression and all that's going on. Hmm. Sound familiar? And Jesus knows he's in the last week of his life here on earth. And I can just imagine he is in no mood for a parade. His heart is filled with compassion. His heart is filled with love. His heart is filled with sorrow. Because they don't even 
know what he's doing. Jesus gets on the colt. They put their garments over the colt. They begin to ride into Jerusalem. And we read this story as a celebration, as a parade, as something that is so exciting. And Hosanna, Hosanna. And last year, I went back and watched uh, last year's service. um, And I thought I was tempted because we were online at that point because of all that was going on in our world. And I thought, you know what? There's probably not too many people that even watch this message. I could probably just re-preach it. Nobody would even know. But I preached last year on this same text, and I said, Hosanna means save us now. And I, and, I, and I built this entire message on Jesus was coming to be the Savior, the Messiah, everything that they had hoped for. And they just didn't get it. But I, I learned something this week. Hosanna also has another meaning. And it's what we read today. Hosanna, blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. So here's what happens in this in this festival. People will come through Jerusalem from a long journey from all over the countryside and as they enter Jerusalem as a tourist if you will, as somebody who's coming in, it was customary for the local people to put branches down on the road, to even put their garments down on the road to soften the step of the tourists. I thought that was really cool. They thought, you know what? These people have been traveling a long time. Their animals are probably tired. Their feet are probably hurting. And this brick road is not going to help. Let's soften their road. And it was also customary as people walked through the city that people would say, Hosanna, and they would give them a blessing that they would encourage them. We are waiting for our coming king, blessings on you as you join us in that wait. Wow. So they were expecting something different. Jesus rides in on a donkey's colt, which is prophecy fulfilled. They lay their palm branches down on the road, which is prophecy fulfilled. And Jesus, as our text says today, is in the center of the procession, and the people are calling out this blessing over his life. So let me, let me stop here for a moment. moment. This is, what I, one of the things I love about Pike County is the parade season. Anybody else love parade season? A few of you? When you go to a parade, I don't know about you, but I have, I have something that I'm usually looking forward to. A couple things. And yes, I know that I've got kids, and so I know that they're expecting something different too, but sometimes we expect the same thing. One of the things I expect is candy. Yeah. It's a great way to collect your candy to hand out at Halloween too. Yeah. I love that. I love that. But there's also another time as I, as I get my lawn chair out and I, and I sit down and and I'm anticipating this incredible parade. And I'll tell you, there's times where if you go, if you go to Griggsville or you go to Barrie or you, you watch the one here, there's certain things that happen in each one and you kind of anticipate it and you expect it. One of the things here in Pittsfield that, that at least as long as I've been here is the last thing to come through the parade is the horses. 
I'm always looking forward to the horses. I love to see the horses and, and how they come through and, and just what, who's all going to be riding one and, and, and all of that fun things. Well, then if the weather's bad, I'll be sitting waiting and waiting. And some good things come through, some really cool cars, some great people running for political office. God bless them. Somebody's got to do it. Amen. But I'm still anticipating something else. I'm awaiting those horses. But what if those horses never come? Or what if instead of all the, the pomp and circumstance of the horse, horses coming in, they just ride in on a couple of colts? I don't know about you, but then I would leave disappointed. You see, so Jesus is coming down into the city. They're greeting him with a customary greeting. He's in the center of the procession. It should be the most important part of the processional, yet they're just giving him a traditional blessing to say, you know what, we're waiting for this king to come. He's going to be the greatest thing we've been waiting for. Can you hurry up your donkey so we can see who he's coming? We want to see our king. It made me think of another time where we were expecting something. I want to show you this clip. Let's play this clip of a parade. Just like 
that they were expecting something greater. I don't know if they were expecting Prince Ali, but they were expecting something different than a king riding in on a donkey. They go to this parade and they were expecting something great. There, see, they were waiting for their king. They were waiting for somebody to come and to overpower the Roman government and to take control of all of their things, and life would be so much easier. And Jesus, it's like, Jesus, this was not his ordeal. He was not the center of attention kind of guy. He was not the look at me, look at me type of thing. He was more of a guy that said, you know what? I love you and I'm going to do this in a different way and I want to disconnect your understanding of life and I want to reconnect it in my culture and in my way of doing things because in my world, in the kingdom of God, things are kind of upside down. And I'm not going to be that political king that you want. So if you've fallen along in your notes, you've got a little picture frame there. Maybe you were expecting a king that looked like this. Maybe at some point in our life, we expect our kings to be blue-eyed and friendly. This is King Arthur, a depiction of King Arthur. Maybe our kings look like that. This next one's really cool. This is an artist's rendering of King David. King David out on the battlefield, and he was a political leader and the king that this kingdom is waiting for and in the same line and this is king david on the front lines of battle maybe that's the king we're looking for or then we have the king that he was the next one is king jesus leaving his splendor and glory of heaven and that's maybe how we we see jesus now as our king and sitting on his throne awaiting us to come into his kingdom Or maybe this is the king that we envision. The king of kings. With a thorn crown. Bleeding. Carrying his cross and saying to his followers, if you want to follow me, you better find your cross. Take it up. And follow me too. This is the king that Jesus was and is. But sometimes, maybe it's not what we expect. Jesus continues on his journey through Jerusalem. And it says that, I love this, the transition from verse 10 to verse 11. Let's, I think I've got this on the screen. Let's pull this back up here. So Jesus has just come through the parade They've just given him the greeting that is customary, Hosanna. They've put palm branches down. They've laid their cloaks down. And this is what Mark's gospel tells us. Right afterwards. So Jesus came to Jerusalem. He went into the temple. After looking around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon. Then he returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. The end, story over, let's go home and eat. After looking around carefully at the temple, this is what he saw. Empty. Jesus told them, or will tell them, coming this week when he's on trial. This is the man who said, tear down the temple and in three days he will raise it again. 
This is the same man that walked into the temple and, and, and overthrew the tables and the, and, the, and the marketplace that was going on. Why? Because the temple was a place of worship. The temple was supposed to be a place that we could meet with God. And on this festival where it's all about God's people worshiping and thanking the God who had saved them, he goes into the temple and no one is there. And folks, this wasn't just because of COVID, okay? Nobody was choosing to worship God. Jesus' heart breaks because he's fulfilling everything the prophets before him said he would do. And as he comes in to the final week of his life, he walks into the place where everybody should be giving thanks and praise to the God who saved them. And his father's house is empty. Nobody is worshiping God. And I believe, as the text says, he looked around carefully at everything. That he didn't just walk in the doors, look for his friends, and then leave. I believe he went into every nook and cranny of that place. Trying to find at least one, at least one who got it. At least one who understood what he was doing. Yet nobody was there. So Jesus... What does he do? Jesus goes back to the Mount of Olives. He goes back to the Mount of Olives with his 12 disciples. And as we read the story of Holy Week and all that goes on in Holy Week, he begins to really emphasize to his followers what's coming. He begins to really tell them what you've expected all along is this king that's going to take over, and I'm not that but I'm going to be led away. And when I'm led away, you guys are all going to flee. And he continues to tell his story, and yet they still don't get it. And I believe that part of the reason, as we see a little bit later on in this week, as Jesus goes into the garden to pray, it's the same garden that's at the foot of the Mount of Olives. He goes into this special place and he takes his three closest friends with him and they go in and he says, why don't you guys wait here? And in one translation, it te he tells them to rest. Wait here and rest while I go on a little further. I need to talk to the Father. He knows what's coming. But it wasn't what his followers expected. Jesus is weeping Weeping over those of us that just don't get it. So, my question to us today, how does, how does this apply to us today, Pastor? How can we take this with us this week as we begin this journey of Holy Week and apply it in our lives today? Let me ask you this question. What are you expecting out of a Savior? What are you expecting out of somebody who will give you eternal life? Would you be expecting Jesus? 
Would you be expecting somebody who's willing to weep over your life? And that's the question I leave you with in your bulletin. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you can pinpoint. Maybe there's not. Who in your life do you know loves you so much that when you just don't quite get it, instead of ridiculing you, instead of disciplining you, instead of really going after you and telling you you just don't get it, why don't you get this? Instead of that, they weep with compassion because they love you so much that they just want you to get it. Was it what you expected? I want to encourage you this week as we begin this journey of Holy Week today. Jesus went through this week with a sorrowful heart because He knew that His time had come. He knew that He had no more chances to teach, to preach. He knew that He couldn't do any more miracles. He knew that He couldn't prove to anybody anymore. Was it enough? Was it what we expected? So I want to encourage you this week to view this week. Ask the Lord to give you eyes of Jesus this week. Easter is one of those Sundays that we celebrate. And without the cross and the tomb, we don't have any reason to be here today. But because of the cross and the empty tomb, Palm Sunday is here, folks. But Easter's coming. Friday's coming when they're going to lay my Savior and they're going to put him on a cross and he's going to breathe his last breath. Why? Because he came to this earth to die for me and for you. And they're going to hang him on a tree because of you and because of me. And they're going to take him down from that tree. They're going to lay him in a tomb. And because the doubters were expecting something different, but they just can't be sure about this weird Jesus guy. They're going to put him in a tomb and put guards around it because this can't be true. <laughs> Friday's coming, folks. But Sunday is coming too. Sunday's coming when that, that stone is rolled away and Jesus is no longer there because of you and because of me. Is he what you expected? Is he what you expected? Would you stand with me this morning? Father God, you are so good to us. You knew the plan all along. From the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 1. All the way to Mark's gospel. You knew the plan. You knew what was needed for us to be in a relationship with you. You tried to tell us. You tried to warn us. You tried to give us guidance. And you even sent your one and only son to come to this earth to live a perfect example. 
to die a criminal's death as the perfect sacrifice. So today, God, I pray that you would give us clarity of mind and clarity of eyes to see what you're trying to tell us. Help us to change our expectations if we need to. To realize you're going to save us from an eternity separated from God. (laughs) But maybe we're looking for you to save us from something else. God, would you help us today to walk out of here and ask ourselves the question, was it what I expected? And if not, God, I pray that you'd give us courage to accept this wonderful and sacred invitation to join you on this journey to your cross this week. I pray, God, that you would help us as we leave this place to help us to have eyes to see the world around us that doesn't get it, that doesn't even think that Easter is anything but a bunny and some eggs. And would you help us, God, to have a heart of compassion like Jesus did. And help us, Lord, to live out the example that you set before us so that people can look at you and say, you know what, it wasn't what I expected, but I'm sure glad he did it. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. Thank you for the parade. Thank you for this week. I pray that you would bring us back this week as we celebrate the reason why we follow and trust you with our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said together, amen, amen. Have a great day. We'll see you tonight at 6.30.